This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock. Ball might break here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores. Goal leg. Hit leg. Hit leg over the top. It's it now. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he has it. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin. Will he score? It's Series 3, Episode 4. I'm Chris Skull and joining me, my co-host, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And also with us, he's more 90s than white dog shit. It's Michael Marden. <laughs> I mean, you said before the show that you'd improve that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you have. Well, you know, stick around next week. We'll see how we get on. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. We have these, all the for people at home, we do have the stuff written down that Chris is going to go through. But he doesn't put that on the printout we get. So it's always a, uh, yeah. a fresh gag. And I, for one, enjoy it more than if I was reading along. <laughs> Should we get on with correspondence? Yes. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Right, it's time for Spotted. Firstly, Leighton Jones. My uncle went to school with Mark Hughes. Said he was a bit of a loner, never joined in for a lunchtime kickabout. Instead, he would play on his own, volleying a tennis ball against the wall relentlessly. Guess it paid off for the guy, Leighton Jones. When I was a kid, I just remember Mark Hughes' thing was that he was good at volleying. Oh, he was a, <laughs> which a great volleyer. seems insane, because I've not heard any player described as good at volleying <laughs> good at in probably two decades. Well, it did feel like back then players had sort of specialist skills. Yeah, they did, There yeah. were much fewer all-rounders, so you'd have yeah. like a great header of the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hughes yeah. was a fantastic volleyer. But how ball. often does needing to do a volley come up? <laughs> like, yeah. what, how often are you volleying? Also, why is he better at volleying than shooting? Uh, yeah, it's not really a skill you can employ often like get it to mark who's on the volley yeah. like, that's not a tactic you can yeah. get it in the air get it in the air for using like, around the midriff he's been practicing with a tennis ball on his own at school <laughs> he's good at volleys you know what he's bad at 
Handshakes. <laughs> a terrible one. Right, Andrew Pitt. When I was seven or eight at Disneyland Paris with my parents, my dad spotted a man who he instantly recognised and made a beeline for him. It was Jerry Francis, stood with what I presume was his family at the base of Space Mountain. Lovely. I'd like to see Jerry Francis' hair on a roller coaster. <laughs> That's a key ring of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Could I have a... Um... The key ring of... No, not the one with me. Can I have the photo of Jerry Francis and Tom Speed? Yeah. I reckon his mullet would probably stretch across a few pictures. He'd probably go back a few rows. You'd have to get three key rings to get the full set. And my main memory of Jerry Francis is he'd like... He could never maintain eye contact in a post-match interview. Have we covered this? No. no? Well, you know when those things, once you spotted them, um, and he'd just be looking down from left to right the whole time. And then I remember... It might be Gary Lineker. It might be Des Lynham in those days. Uh, said uh, Joe Francis uh, being interviewed by Gerald Sinstat who's obviously on the floor (laughs) (laughs) what a slap what a slap Um, right Andy Gray I don't know if that's the Andy Gray I'd like to hope so um, hi guys, love I the show. I hope not. Sent it from Qatar. Um, hi guys. Hi guys, I'm really happy over here. <laughs> Much happier than when I was on Sky in England. Female referees, eh? <laughs> hi guys, love the show. Wanted to share a 90s footballer experience I had recently while playing for my Sunday league team, Heroes of Waterloo. Just before Christmas, we were playing a fixture at the spiritual home of football, Battersea Park. About oh, midway through the second half, our left back went to take a throw. Uh, pausing to allow a man in leggings, under short shorts, a tracksuit top, a cashmere scarf and a beanie hat to slowly jog past. As he approached, our left back let out a joyful cheer. We assumed that he had happened across a friend he had not seen in a while and shouted at him to take the bloody throw in as there were 21 brokes waiting for him. It soon transpired that the jogger was none other than Chelsea legend Gianluca Vialli, who spent the next half hour doing laps of our pitch while watching the game, intermittently stopping to perform a set of air squats before carrying on. Unfortunately, he ignored our repeated hilarious cries to get for him to get his boots on uh, and we conceded two late goals and drew the game at 2-2. That's insane. But Vialli stayed behind afterwards to have photos with the players. Thoroughly nice chap and didn't complain about being embraced by a random stranger. I like the idea that Vialli, like... Because when I'm in a park, if there's a football match or a cricket match, I can't walk past without just watching it. Yeah, yeah. As I was walking through the park the other day and I saw a wicket. Like, I saw them take a wicket. It was so exciting. <laughs> I, I always wanted to play. If I was an ex-Premier League footballer and I saw a game, like, you would absolutely play for just a few minutes. No way. If I went past... An inferior podcast. I wouldn't chip in with a podcast. <laughs> Have you ever been in the park though where a ball's rolled your way and maybe you're with a, a woman or there's a crowd of kids watching? And have you ever picked up and oh, kick it back? Like it. Oh, it's one of the most stressful situations <laughs> yeah. in the world. Like, you absolute you, nightmare. How often do you go for the kick and how often do you just throw it? I think I'm worse at throwing than kicking, I think. Really? Throwing a football is tough. <laughs> If, what if, would you do throwing style well if there's a high fence involved there's always That's that danger there, like, right, yeah, you yeah. hit the fence and then you get those ironic cheers <laughs> and then the, the pressure the second kick or throw after <laughs> that is unbearable I, um, I've got a friend who works in social media doing like social media for people of note and like like running their accounts yeah yeah. and he had a meeting with Gianluca Vialli like how many people are following Gianluca Vialli <laughs> Like, I mean, Viali going, I need to franchise these tweets out. I haven't got as many followers as yeah. Maurizio Ravinelli. Like, yeah. The 1630 demographic is really ignoring me. Like, I don't know whether he got the job or whether, like, Viali started doing a lot of topical or, like, memes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Lord Sugar uh, did that meme of Jeremy Corbyn and Hitler. That was actually Viali that did that originally. Um, right, it's time for. Do I remember this correctly? 
Do I remember this right? 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 Staying on the subject of Gianluca Vialli, who had this email from Cy Coates. For years, I've claimed that Gianluca Vialli has less than 10 toes. I'm convinced I've seen a photo where he had less than five on either foot, around seven in total. A quick Google seems inconclusive. Absolutely. <laughs> one article Mad. even claims he has six on one foot. The Anne football. I mean. Was this a genuine rumour some years ago, or am I remembering incorrectly? I remember remembering six on one foot, but yeah. could I just say... Seven in total, so he's playing in the World Cup with three toes on one foot. Oh, maximum three and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absurd. Or he's playing with five and two. How much would you want all your toes on your striking foot? Worse, he's playing with zero and seven. Oh, zero, seven. That's what they were named after, Jean-Luc Vialli's feet. Um, Well, I can shine light on this because I did once work on a show that was about body like morphing and things that have gone wrong and Viali genuinely has 11 toes like I did a VT package and Oprah Winfrey also has 11 toes I've got a friend Halle Berry has 11 toes Liam Gallagher has 11 toes Maria Sharapova has 11 toes oh wow why are you such an expert on too many toes I've got a friend whose baby's got 11 toes and they're having it well they're going to go is it a mistake stop no Maria Sharapova's yeah. really good at tennis. They're going to go five and two like Vialli. Yeah, yeah. Take too many off. Wow. Okay, so we're saying that, that Vialli has one his toes. Our new feature has worked. Let's well, try again. Well, we had this is back going back to last week. Oh, we yeah. had a kid who, went, who did the team talk. We had from Gary King who says, I definitely remember a kid on the TV show giving the Spurs team talk in the early 90s. Couldn't remember what show it was, but surprise, surprise, sounds like a great Stop. shout. I even have a vague recollection of the move the kid was trying to put to the, on the team. For some reason, it involved Gary Lineker putting a cross in from the wing for Gary Mabbott to come running onto and slot past the keeper. And yes, I even remember seeing some footage of this being attempted during the match. Shockingly, the notoriously clinical Mabbott put his effort wide. Do you know what? Listening to that, it makes me think, I mean, we've all worked on TV shows. There's a chance, because that Spurs aren't going to have adapted their tactics to him. <laughs> There's a chance that that team talker, they back, back engineered it. Oh, yeah. So they've got the footage of Lineker crossing to Mabba. Oh, yeah. And then the players have come back in, they've gone, you're going to have to just. I know you've got nil nil at home and you're annoyed, but could you just get into some fresh kit and sit there? Because this kid's just got to come up with a few instructions that happened in the game. That's, one, that's wonderful foresight if they have. Because from that. people at home, that. That is by no means beyond the bounds of how a TV production no, works. No, that happens every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Do I remember this right? 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 Right. All right, so, quick bit of live show news. We've only got one live date that's available in the tour. I mean, we're hoping to do more later in the year, but at the moment there's only one left, and it's in May, and it's MacFest in Wales. Tickets are available for £10. Go on our Twitter and our Instagram. You'll see a link to get tickets. Um, it's the best comedy festival there is in the UK. Loads of brilliant people on the bill, including lots of people that have done quickly. Kevin, your Nish Kumars, your Ivo Grahams, your Ellis Jameses. They'll all be there, your James Acasters. Your me's. So make a weekend of it and uh, come and see us. If you are going to make a weekend of it, at least book for us. I'd hate if we got you to come to the festival and there was better stuff you wanted to see. Everyone at Acast are wearing a green Brian Clough jumper. <laughs> right, without further ado, Tony Dorigo. Strachan's corner finds a head of White. 
Dorigo. Leeds United have the lead. Our guest this week went to three international tournaments with England, was fans player of the year when Leeds won the final ever Division One Championship and is almost certainly England's most capped Australian. Please welcome to Quigley Kevin, Tony Dorigo. Hello. Hello, how are you? All good. All good, thank you. Good. We've got a lot to talk about. Have we? I didn't realise, obviously I'm aware of your achievements, but going back mm. through it, we didn't also realise how many things you were at as an observer. Well... <laughs> but we'll come to that. Okay, yeah. great. We always start with the same question to settle you down. Okay. Let's How go. many of your shirt sponsors throughout the nineties can you name? Evening Post. Yes. Yes. One. Top Men. Would that be another yes. one? Yes. Yeah. Cool. That's two. These are leads. Uh, you've got five for leads. Five for leads. Top Man. Actually, I've got another one. Yeah. Torino. Torino, yeah. Was that SDA Couriers? Yes! yes. Oh. <laughs> what about what that? What is SDA Courier? I have no idea. <laughs> Free couriering done. Exactly, yeah. If you, need, if you needed a package anywhere, they were the ones. <laughs> they were very good. Still on brand. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, that's about it. What else? What are the Admiral? Admiral, were they the actual main sports yeah. as well? Okay. Thistle Hotels. Oh, Thistle Hotels, of course. Yeah. And Packard Bell. Packard Bell, that was a bit later on, that's right, that was right near yeah. the end. Did that's you get right. a free computer? No, we didn't, <laughs> no. Did you ever get any freebies? I remember my first uh, kind of freebie was a car, actually, at Aston yeah, Villa, that wasn't bad. That's all right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, it was a Montego. Very nice, and <laughs> yeah. did you all get them? We all got them. And of did course, you all drive them? And we all drove them, and of course we picked the same colours, so you can imagine, can't you? <laughs> coming back to the car park, yeah. trying to make sure you press the alarm at the right time with the flashing lights, so you know that one was yours. Yeah. <laughs> so you started at Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, well, you started, you grew up in Australia, have not mm. Was football a big thing in Australia? Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, simply because, as you can imagine, uh, through the summer sports of cricket, which is yeah. absolutely gigantic, and the winter sports, you had Aussie rules or rugby. Yeah. So I was on the East Coast. Where I was from, from Adelaide, really, uh, it was Aussie rules. So, uh, no, it wasn't big. It wasn't uh, professional uh, yeah. as such. And was it your Italian connection that got you into football? Uh, my father, yeah. Father's Italian, so he absolutely loved football. What was actually interesting in years later that I found out, he was um, a big Leeds United supporter. Oh, really? which, which is strange because yeah. he left Italy at 15. He came mm. to Australia and he started watching it in the 70s, of course. And, and how could you resist Don Revy? Well, <laughs> exactly, and he loved all that, and I would laugh at him at the time, and then full circle, you know, so many years later, ah. uh, I joined. And yeah. when you're in Australia, obviously, if you'd been living in England, you'd have been better than all of your peers. Mm. So how much better were you than everyone else? Were you playing left back in those days? No, no, I played left wing, and yeah. uh, I remember a school game that I played, we won 17-0, and I scored 14. <laughs> <laughs> And the only reason I scored 14, I was the only one that could chip the ball. Because the poor little keeper was about three foot two. And I kept chipping it over him. You're really good left winger. Mm. Um, how do you even think you could go pro? I suppose, is Craig Johnson a kind of inspiration? You're right, yeah. And there was a guy called John Cosmina as well. Right. Now, he actually went to Arsenal. Uh, I think he arrived during the winter, found it too cold, and he came back again. Right. But he was a great player. And yeah. for me, it was... Case of, I suppose, doing the best you could out there, but at 15, I was already training with the, the full team. Yeah, uh, so what team would this have been? This is Adelaide City, so that was my, yeah. my team, Adelaide City. Yeah. So I was training with the full team at 15, uh, and then Justin Fashionu came across as a guest star 
Adelaide City. And uh, so I trained with Justin, and that's when yeah. I asked all the questions yeah. about different things. And he said, you know what, uh, get over there. If you haven't got a trial lined up, I'll get you in at Norwich City. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I just wrote a load of letters yeah. to, uh, to England. Top 12 sides. Do you remember what the letter said? Oh, there's a lot of rubbish in that letter. <laughs> <laughs> 14 <laughs> goals. <laughs> that was yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned the goalie was six foot. Not three foot two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wrote letters. I mean, I, I looked at the top 12 in the, the table at the time Yeah. and wrote down all my achievements. So simple as that. So I represented wow. the state. Uh, I got picked for the I think, Australian under 18s at mm. 15. Uh, so that's what I did. So I wrote 12 letters uh, to and, the UK. And yeah. handwritten, handwritten. 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 Wow. So how many replies did you get? Uh, one. Oh. From? Aston Villa. Who you signed with? Who I signed with. And what a letter that was. It came with uh, Claret and Blue on the front as well. I was so excited when I got I this young letter. Yeah. It was like branded from the club. Opened it up and um, oh, it was incredible. They gave me a four-day trial. Wasn't allowed there on a Friday because I get in the way yeah. <laughs> preparing mm. for the game on a Saturday. But they said if you can turn up in Birmingham, uh, we'll look after you from there. And did you have to pay to get yourself over Everything, there? yeah. Right. Me and my so dad came. A gamble. It's a huge gamble, but uh, I didn't see it, you know, like that. In there. Yeah. I think if you're you're single-minded, that's all you wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that was it. I remember at school they would ask you the three things you'd like to be when you grow up. Yeah. I put one professional soccer player. Yeah. <laughs> Two professional soccer player, <laughs> and they're going, "You silly boy, what is wrong with you? Go, you know, write architect or something or other." But that's all I could see at the time. So when you came across, was the standard absurdly higher? It was. The, it the was. Goalkeepers were full size. That kind <laughs> of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. They were big as yeah. well. I mean, they yeah. ran really quickly. They were Other people can ship it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the worst thing was, I was fifteen, of course, and I was playing against the apprentices, who were now full time. They're sixteen, seventeen. I was only a well, I'm not big now, but I was a skinny little 15-year-old, and I yeah. came across. Honestly, I couldn't touch the ball. I couldn't get near the ball. It was you know, the standard was was that good. And you imagine, I suppose, when you've been the best by a long way where you've come from, and now yeah. suddenly you come so and you can't touch the ball. It was a yeah. bit of an eye opener, I have to say. And were you still a left winger, or did you move to left winger? Yeah, it's a left winger. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you know racing around trying to get it, but day by day I got a bit closer and a bit closer and I think it's I think it's the attitude as well that, that's, mm. that's what they were looking at and did they put you straight into like a training match like 11 v 11 or not 11 v 11 just a, a training session so okay. a Monday morning training session yeah, so I yeah. just joined in with the you know the guys that were clearly full time yeah. and uh, yeah and you had to sink or swim time it was as simple as that so and then at the end of the week they'd literally take your side and say you're signing for you can... well at the end of the week they said can you stay another week would oh, like yeah. you to stay a bit longer uh, and at that, my dad then left and went to Italy, saw his family and friends and all that sort of mm. stuff. So, and then I think it was the third week that they said, "Okay, we want to sign you full time." Uh, obviously, things went well. I signed pro at seventeen and a half and got into the first team at eighteen. So uh, everything went, you know, extremely well. And then, so Aston Villa, basically European champions the year yeah. before you joined. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you left, yeah, thank you the for that. Yeah, I, I had this effect on teams. I knew where that one was going straight away. Yeah. It was the breakup of a very good side. You're quite right. And they, yeah. and they needed some new blood. Yeah. What was it like at Aston Villa at the time? Was it honestly? I loved it. It was fantastic. They had a great youth policy as well. Don't forget, for me, it was all absolutely brand new. So to, to go and play. Uh, in front of somewhere like Villa Park was just fantastic mm. and uh, you know they gave me opportunity it was it was really good but then we did start to struggle you're right we, we started yeah. to struggle uh, badly and um, I suppose the one thing that was surprising for me was um, 
I thought when you do well at a club, you know, you'd stay there forever. That's what yeah. you wanted to do. And uh, I was player of the year at Aston Villa yeah. when I was 19 or 20, so everything was going extremely well. I get a call out the blue uh, from the chairman to say, I'm going to pick you up in an hour. Doug Ellis. Doug Ellis, good old deadly Doug, <laughs> to go see another really friendly chairman called Ken Bates. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow, what a day that's going to be. What a day out. that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we couldn't score goals, and we wanted to buy David Speedy, their, yeah, their yeah. striker, mm. who Chelsea wanted out. But the only way Villa could get him was if Chelsea got me. And so it was like a like a standoff, like a hostage situation down at uh, the Post House Hotel at Heathrow, where David Speedy walked and I walked past him and... We went to the, the different chair. I want like the exchange of hostages. Exchange, exactly, it was crazy. <laughs> Started laughing at each other nervously. I have to say. Yeah. And so you bizarre. had no say in this. Well, at the time, it, it's just a shock, you know. When yeah. the club ring you up and say, "Okay, you know, unfortunately, we're going to sacrifice you because yeah. we want him," I'm thinking. That's crazy. Were you present between conversations between Doug Ellis and Ken Bates? Are you joking? I keep out the way of that one. No chance. But at that time, uh, it was a case of we both went back to our own clubs and, uh, you know, we continued to play. And unfortunately, we did get relegated uh, that season. And then Graham Taylor turned up. Well, then Graham Taylor turned up. Yeah. And that was a strange one because he got everyone in at the end of the season, sat us all down and said... uh, I want players here who want to wear the Clarendon Blue shirt and you know the, they, their blood is Clarendon Blue that really want to be here yeah. that's the only players that I want and then he pointed and said you Dorigo if you don't want to be here there's the door wow thank god he was pointing at Gary Williams a different player boss Tony's over there thank god for that everyone started laughing and I said thanks very much I'm off and I was out of there and you so, went to Chelsea then? I went to Chelsea because they offered 475000 or something, brother, which is a, a good money. I bet you were delighted when Graham Taylor became the England manager after that. that must well, that been. was an interesting conversation, yeah. And to be fair, he didn't obviously hold pick, that against him. Gavin Williams for two years, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you joined Chelsea. Am I right that you got relegated to Chelsea as well? We all talk about your team. The weird thing about Chelsea, you got relegated in a playoff relegation you, game. It, I didn't well, know that existed. Exactly. And we, it was the only time it did. We finished fourth bottom. Right. And it was a crazy two legged affair against, against Middlesbrough. Who'd finished. So you were joined. Must be what, third or f- third in the. Oh, in the division yeah, below. So you below. Had to play off against it was a the weird. Team. That's right. Oh, they wow. do it in Germany. They do like, like that in yeah, Germany yeah. now in the Bundesliga. Yeah. It was the only time, I think, that uh, it happened. They must have been tense games, weren't they? They were crazy. And then highlights for Chelsea. You scored the winner in the final of the Zenith Data Systems Cup. I did. I still have grown men from Middlesbrough say, you ruined my childhood. That's what they <laughs> They come up to me now and say that. It was a classic Dorigo free classic kick. classic Dorigo free kick in that I'm a little lad from Australia growing up. Mm. And what's the dream? It's scoring the winner at Wembley, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that, well, that was my yeah. dream. And, yeah. Uh, I, I managed to, yeah. So we had seventy six thousand people there. Okay, it was a it was a silly third cup at the time and what have you. But and the Zen Data Systems Cup was like the cup that replaced the the four European members. F- but was it kind of existed because English teams went in Europe? Is that right? Uh, yeah, it was, it was after the Heysel ban. Yeah, they, they brought it the, in. The, so we're trying to say that replaced the European. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going with that one. <laughs> so like so technically, you scored the winner in the European yeah, Cup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm liking you guys more and more. <laughs> Where'd you keep your medal? Do you, have you still got it? I've actually already carved everything up to my three children. I've, okay. already, I've, I've allowed them to 
to take their picks of all the different things. Did, and, they, uh, did they pick the league championship or the ZDS Cup first? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's nasty. That's just nasty. That's, that's just nasty. Other yeah. Wembley, you Charity Shield you won. Charity Shield, and I scored at the other end as well. Everyone remembers, of course, Leeds, we beat Liverpool 4-3 and yeah. Cantona got three. Yeah. But who scored the other one? Well, there you go. <laughs> Me, exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly, it, yeah. it, it took a mean deflection, though. Well, stop it. <laughs> it was flying in anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that, that game has got my favourite ever own goal that Gordon oh, Strachan scored. It was fantastic. It's, it was just the way that his, little, his little legs on the line kept going, bing, yeah. bing. And back heeled it in. Oh, that yeah. Was, yeah. Leeds looking to try and regain their advantage here. It's to Rigo, and that was deflected again. Twice the ball has thrown off a Liverpool defender and passed Grobelart. But undoubtedly it will go down to Tony Dorigo. With the Charity Shield, how, what's mm. the kind of atmosphere with that? Is it, is it like we really want to win this, or is it? It's a strange one. I, I yeah. say it is a strange one, but um, of course you really want to win it. But you still got a week to go before the season. Uh, it's always normally very hot as well. Mm, yeah. uh, it's a it's a it's a day out for the fans to enjoy and what have you. But it's a you know it's a bit serious as well. Yeah. Any time you play at Wembley in front of a packed house yeah. for something, it's uh, it's serious. So yeah. yeah, it was good. Would you have like relatives fly over from Australia and stuff for these things? Uh, no, I didn't. But it's funny. My um, my mother-in-law, well, ex-mother-in-law now. Anyway, my ex-mother-in-law at the ZDS. That yeah. was the that's the only game she's been to. Oh, really? Would you believe? Yeah. And so, of course... She must have thought, wow. Well, exactly. So I've scored the winner. I'm the hero. Next game, she says, why didn't you score again? And why aren't you playing in front of the winner? I said, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, that's, that's the way. It's once in a lifetime Lucky she stuff. didn't come to the 14 goals game. She'd been very good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you soon joined Leeds, though. Yes. How did that come about? I did. Um, well, uh, again, I, I just thought at the time um, with Chelsea that uh, a lot of interference from around the place, you know, a lot of issues. We could win six, lose six and everything else. So uh, uh, a lot of disgruntled players there. And I thought, right, you know, I need to, to look elsewhere. I almost joined Glasgow Rangers. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were... Uh, they were some me. great players at the time. That's right. And a lot of the England players were up there. So I thought that would, you know, certainly help. But never quite managed to get the valuations correct so uh, I had to just stay at Chelsea and uh, you know I really didn't enjoy my time there but I just thought we could have done a lot better with what we had so decided Those to let the contract run out kind yeah. of pre-Bosman yes obviously much more difficult for a player to kind of agitate for you're a move right. you're right and not only that uh, I am not the agitating type <laughs> in that in that I would always play 110% no matter what you know yeah. similar, that wasn't in my my psyche so um, I had to stay there but I do remember going to see Mr Bates because I, I actually wrote a transfer request Right. Yeah, and uh, I've written a letter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I sent it in. Of course, then he called for me. He said, "Okay, come in and let's discuss it." So I, I'm thinking exactly. I'm thinking, oh, okay, let's get in there, and just you know say as I feel. And so I did. I went in there. He was very polite. He sat me down, and I, I talked. You know why I wanted to move, and he said, "Okay, Tony, let me just get your contract out of the filing cabinet, and let me turn it over." Now on the back of a football player's uh, contract is the amount of years you've got left. So a lot mm. of detail is in the previous pages, but on the back it's the years you've got left. And he said, uh, Tony, it does seem like you've got two years left. There's the effing door. That was <laughs> my. That was, I thought he handled it particularly well. <laughs> 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 and did you not have an agent who would 
Go. I did have an agent, yeah, but I just wanted yeah. to go in and just explain it myself. Yeah. And, uh, and that was that, it. Well, that didn't really fill me with uh, a lot of hope. <laughs> or, uh, and I was determined to wait to the end and walk out. Um, but, he, you know, they knew and I knew that for two years I'll always give my all. So yeah. that's what happened. But that was disappointing. And then when the you least. joined Leeds, was that by tribunal then? That's or? right, tribunal. That's right, yeah. And, and the thing is, I went up to see Leeds and uh, Howard Wilkinson. I talked to, to Howard. and What was he like to me? Well... He started talking to me about golf holes, right? <laughs> so what I liked was he made a bit of research into me. And he knew I liked to play golf. Yeah. So we then verbally started playing golf. So right. he said, right, we're on the first tee. Okay, yeah. there's, there's a, there's Where a are you river. in reality at this point? In a hotel, right. talking in Leeds. Yeah. So it, this, this is, is his... like your first meeting. This first meeting, yeah. So he's trying to convince me to, to join Leeds United. Yeah. So um, we're now going through golf holes. And we, we verbally played two holes which was <laughs> really strange how do you verbally play golf well you actually you tee off and listen there's a there's a lake 280 yards away you may be able to hit it 300 yards but let's ramp it down take a three wood and just hit it into the wind so you don't go in the water then when we get there now there's I'm thinking my god this guy's nuts well, what's going on I'll sign get me out of here this guy's crazy were they iconic holes that you like, no no but what, no, he, he was making he was, up a golf hole he was making around. them up what he was trying to do was oh you're in a bunker sorry don't was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> should, yeah, yeah, should just three putted what is wrong with you <laughs> no he was trying to say uh, we use the right club for the right opportunity in that Whatever tools you've got, use them the best way. I thought if right. he just said that, they would have saved half an hour. <laughs> and what was he trying to do? Say that Leeds is the right club for you? Yeah, in that you know he thought he had some really good uh, players uh, together, but we needed just one or two you know more different types, mm. and I was one of them. Uh, Steve Hodge, another England international, yeah. was another, yeah. and needed some real pace up top. So we got Rod Wallace. So that was oh, yeah. his idea, and he thought oh. right. Because they'd come up, they'd have one season in the Division One, yes. then, which mm. and they'd finish fourth. Yeah, yeah, which is quite an amazing finish yeah. when you've just been promoted. Yeah, maybe not so much in those days, but certainly these days would be unheard of. Mm-hmm. And was there a feeling? Were you thinking I could win the league here? If I'm honest, uh, no, I wouldn't have said that then. I think uh, when I signed, I'm thinking we've got a team that's fourth. We've got a city and fans who are just so much behind their club. It's incredible. Mm. And I've got a club that really, really wants me. And what did you? What was Howard Wilkinson like as a manager? Was he kind of sergeant majory? Yes, <laughs> simply yes. Uh, very thorough. I think tactically, uh, defensively, you know, we worked on so many set pieces, and obviously, I with my left foot would take a lot of them. Whether it was mm. a mm. throw in last third, medium third, you know, defensive third, corner kicks, free kicks, everything. We would go through that. So you're practicing again. your defensive throw-ins? Everything. Yeah, you name it. Uh, but it would be weekly. Again and again. Again and again. Again and again. And uh, Which is quite that funny. It's been so boring. Well, there's the thing. That That's the thing. It, at times it is boring. And the one player that was never involved in all of those was David Batty. Here we go. He get so bored. <laughs> he would start pinging balls around everywhere. And they go, Bats, get off. Get on the other pitch. You had to remove him because he just couldn't cope. You know. We're kind of obsessed with David Batty. Oh, he's great. We hear he's, a lot of rumours about great. him. Like well, there are the only rumours now because you can't find him. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is he off the grid? He seems to be off the grid a bit. Yeah, he does. He so, does. what was he like? Fantastic player. 
Like, yeah. absolutely fantastic player. One of those players as a teammate, you know, he's the one that you want. In the trenches, I want Bats alongside me because yeah. he set the tone a lot at Ellen Road. End, end away, you know, uh, it would be a tackle in the first one or two minutes. And you then look into your opponent's eye. Well, if the guy could get up because he'd be on the deck, wouldn't he? After that tackle, <laughs> you know. And if they wanted to be up, if they were up for it, then okay. But it was Bats that normally set the tone. But he, he didn't like football. No, that's you know, yeah, he loved motor racing, uh, MotoGP and what have you, mm. yeah, motorcycles. So, uh, yeah, and I roomed a lot with him. Uh, with what was he like to room with? Oh, he was a nightmare. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolute nightmare. Well, the thing is, we, we went to New Zealand once and um, we had a day off, okay? So we're in New Zealand. We played, I think, Australia. We had two internationals against New Zealand and Malaysia. So we're on a, a this long... This must be quite a good trip for you. End the season. Like a kind of well, it would. homecoming. It would be <laughs> if they actually played me because I had splinters yet again on the bench, but we'll come to that. Yeah. So we had a day off and you had the choice of either playing golf or going fishing. Yeah, and I thought, well, I, I like my golf, so I'll go play golf. Bats, of course, imaginary or real, real. <laughs> <laughs> with a real ball, real clubs, everything. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, bats went fishing. We both met back in the room afterwards. We, we shared a room, so we both been back. And uh, he come in, oh, and his tracksuit was just covered in fish guts. I said, bats, your tracksuit—it's absolutely disgusting. He says, it's not my tracksuit; it's yours. <laughs> just took it off and gave it back to me. <laughs> as, if, as if that was normal. Okay, that's mine then. Would you ever question that? Well, yeah, you question it. But the yeah. problem was, the one time I did question it, and we started mucking about, and we played cards for eight, and I kept winning and winning and winning. It just doesn't matter what. I tried to lose, and I just kept winning. So he's getting more and more annoyed. So then, so he gives me a, a pillow. You know, so he whacks me with a pillow. So I get a pillow. Now whack him with a pillow, as you yeah. do, you know. You're then you get like, you're having a pillow yeah. fight with David Batty. To start, okay, to start. <laughs> That's image, that is. Yeah, exactly. So I'm whacking him, and he's whacking him. Then you get something, well, I don't know what he got, like a rolled up magazine. He's whacking me with that. So I'm whacking him with that. Next thing, he picks up a silver tray that the food comes, and just flings it across and smacks me right in the teeth. <laughs> I'm thinking I'd better stop here, because this could get real easy. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you did, he was coming back with something hard. Wow. I thought, okay, let's just leave that alone right there. <laughs> was he really competitive? Like, really, like, really competitive. Yeah, yeah really competitive. There's yeah. amazing footage of a game. I don't know if you played in it. It's like a preseason match against Sampdoria, I think. Oh, yeah. Do you see him snap Mancini it's, in half? He, he is yeah. a friendly match, and yeah. he basically. No, no, decides... there's no friendly match. With bats, there is no <laughs> friendly match. He, he puts a guy into the stadium, yeah. like, he follows through and yeah. on his tackle, and there's no one there watching the match. And then you see the camera cut to him, and he looks at Gary McAllister, and he winks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> does the team have a lot of fondness for David Batty? Oh, for sure. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and I I've, I suppose I first realised uh, the fondness at the fans as well because mm. I suppose it's every club they love one of their own coming through, don't they? Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's so important to them, which is which is fantastic. And Bats, of course, coming through at Leeds United. Well, the first um, goal that I scored. Uh, for Leeds was at Ellen Road and it was against uh, Manchester City and the ball came out from a from a corner it bounced and I have half volley that pinged it right into the top corner yeah. right so it, it was a very good goal and I was delighted and everything else anyway a few minutes later Batty scores his first ever goal oh my god it was like an earthquake the noise it was a shitty tap in doesn't matter <laughs> it, mine was forgotten and it was all about him I thought bloody hell what's going on but you, you felt the the warmth for the, for, mm. for David Batty, and it was yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Is it true he broke Keith Curls? He did. 
He did. And the, the weird thing with that is, so basically... Uh, he, did, he broke his jaw. Broke his jaw. It's a, it's a training session. Mm. Okay, training session, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> David Batty, there is no training <laughs> sessions, okay. So uh, I think he just went up for the ball and he has elbowed him right in his jaw and uh, broken. So Keith Curl is uh, holding his, his jaw, uh, clearly broken. So he goes off to hospital. Training continues and that's it. Curly comes back to the table at dinner time, of course, after getting his jaw done. And Batty's, Bats is there sitting next to me. Of course, all Curly can actually eat is soup through a straw. So we are all oh, laughing, uh, and we are, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and we're thinking, Bats is going to say something. Uh, Bats said absolutely nothing, and just got up and finished his meal and went, up, went back to the room. <laughs> I'm thinking, Bats, just say fucking sorry. Say something. Say sorry. Say sorry, but no. Wow. But he doesn't yeah. seem the man who'd have much sympathy for people. No, no. You said much. There's no sympathy. <laughs> you said. It, listen, he played like that, but that's just the way he was. You know, yeah. ultra competitive, a great player. But uh, if you get out on that pitch, you know, watch out. And uh, Eric Cantona. Yes. In the dressing room. Yes. For what point of the season was he signed, Eric Cantona? <sighs> It's probably midway through or probably a bit later, something like that. And he yeah. didn't actually play that many games. Mm, uh, no. But I come across Eric uh, England under-21s against France under-21s. Oh, Ivory, right. uh, earlier mm. in his career. And he scored twice. Yeah. He's an, an absolute talent, you know, yeah. absolutely. And uh, remember, he went to Sheffield Wednesday first and they... Uh, yeah. Trevor Francis, I talked to Trevor about this, actually. and Because uh, Eric told me it was a trial. And yeah. Eric doesn't do trials, so and, and of course, and of course um, so what happened at Sheffield Wednesday? Well, it was icy, and it kind of got. Uh, they said, "Well, no, actually, it's uh, the pitches are icy. Can you stay a bit longer? Can you stay a bit longer?" And I think he just said, "No, I'm not staying any longer," and walked, walked out <laughs> oh, really? up the road to Leeds. Yeah, so we had him, and, uh, did and that's you, it. And did, when he turns up, do you guys know? Apart from you've played. I, I knew all about him. Yeah. But was it like, this guy's going to be amazing? Or? Well, obviously a lot of my teammates probably hadn't heard so much of him, but uh, in training there was this one instance which was just incredible. Imagine you've got um, a full-size pitch, but then take the goals and bring them up to yeah. the 18-yard boxes, okay? Yeah. So it's a bit a bit smaller, and we played 8v8 on, yeah. on a shortened pitch. The goalie got the ball in his hand, and then he threw it over arm on a diagonal to the halfway line. So for like 40, yeah. 50 yards, he threw it, and it's going out to the right-hand side. Now, Eric has run out there, and he lets it drop over his right-hand shoulder, and then he volleys it in, before it's touched the ground, back across left, 40 yards into the top corner. It hasn't touched the ground. It's like a worldie that I have never seen before yeah. in my life. The keeper at the other end has just stood there thinking, what happened then? <laughs> it's lodged into the top corner. Yeah. And and the other thing, it was more to do with the reaction that, that got me. Because normally if you score that in training, you run around like an idiot. You know, you run yeah. around. He just ran back to the halfway line and said, okay, let's start again. Because oh, wow. that's what I do. And what was he like as a person? Like, would he get involved with the Not guys? so much. He, 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 what were Cantona and Batty like? <laughs> so weird Chalk and say. cheese, should, should, we, should we say. Um, we got him out a couple of times, you know, the yeah. old team spirit and everything else, and he would join in, but his English was, was limited, I think yeah. that would be fair to say. And especially when he was in a bit of bother with the manager, his English would disappear. <laughs> <laughs> what, what point in the season did you think this is on? Um, we certainly started well, we gathered momentum, we, we were, you know, but we were always chasing, I suppose, Manchester United, and that was... Uh, yeah, they 
kind of choked. They, they, yeah, <laughs> near the end, and we just kept going and going and going. And, and again, I think it's when you have a setback, it's how you respond. I think we had a bad result at Man City, but we come back then really, really strong. Uh, but Eric, I think, came on at certain times of games and, and produced a few you know, important goals. But I think a lot of players were obviously mm. very important that season. But um, certainly Eric got, after what he did at Manchester United, you, know, you look back at that season and think he was... Uh, uh, instrumental in that, you know, he wasn't that big a figure in that mm. uh, side as people think. Yeah. Uh, but even so, yeah, he did make a contribution, an important one. There's mm. a kind of iconic day when Liverpool beat Man U two 0 Yes. Leeds to clinch the title. Yes. On the coverage, they had like a shot of like <laughs> they, they filmed did. some Leeds players watching yeah. it. I don't. You, you yeah. weren't one of them. Were you? No, I weren't. I wasn't because uh, that was we played Sheffield United in the morning. We mm. won our game. We had to then wait to see you know what happened yeah. at uh, Man United playing at Anfield and they thought it might be the opportunity so they got a few guys together yeah. on the sofa which was it was, like, strange. It, it was like goggle box it was like, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? It, was, it, well, it didn't look good it didn't look good but myself and David Batty we got picked for England and we were supposed to go off oh, and right. play against Russia in Russia yeah and so the idea was that we would join up with the national uh, squad on the uh, the Monday morning down in London so uh, hence why I, I kind of left I don't know where Bats went but we were going to meet up yeah, he <laughs> watched the motorcycling or something <laughs> and, then, yeah. uh, and of course then we waited but of course with that result you know we were we were the champions so uh, it was just incredible Howard Wilkinson apparently didn't watch it because he was having his Sunday roast uh, well he must have also been having lots of wine because he rang me and he was half cut and said Tony if you don't want to go to Russia you don't have to don't worry you can stay in and oh. celebrate, and uh, yeah, the manager's absolutely fine with it. It's up to you and and David Batty. So you just didn't go to Russia. So we we uh, pulled out of that squad, um, yeah. myself and Batty, yeah, to to, to celebrate because uh, oh, listen, it's a uh, yeah, uh, it proved to be once in a lifetime. How did you incredible. find out? Did you watch the game or did you? Uh, yeah, I watched the game. Yeah, I watched the game. So what? Um, strange feeling to kind of win in that way, but um, yeah, still incredible. And we, of course, we won the next game, so we won by four points in the end. So yeah, yeah. And then the next season, Charity Shield, you mm-hmm. win. But then, I found this astonishing. Leeds managed to go the whole of the next season without an away win. That's impressive, isn't it? That's, it that <laughs> takes some doing, doesn't it? <laughs> to win but the league and then they got to run it. like that. Yeah. What changed? Uh, what changed? Back pass rule. Oh, that really? was the year really? that the back pass rule came in. And I think it's fair to say that wouldn't have been our strength in, in certain positions. Um, so that affected us a lot. In what sense? Well, in that, if you imagine now Edison at Manchester City, you know, fantastic yeah. with his feet, he could play centre-forward. You know, yeah. Obviously, back in my day there, uh, and this is no disrespect to John Lukic, but that wasn't his yeah. his role. He didn't need to be like that. He was no Manuel Neuer, was he? That's a good way of putting it. He was no <laughs> Manuel Neuer. No, he wasn't. And then, of course, you've got the, you know, the centre-halves, whereas they could just knock it back to the keeper and push up to the halfway line and defend. You know, Now you couldn't do that. You had to start you know, playing from the back. So... Uh, I know it's the same for everyone, but it, it just certainly... Do you think other teams prepared for it? Possibly a bit better. I mean, we, we tried to as well. We did different things. But uh, I, I think then when the confidence started to, to sag, I suppose, it, it just it kind of got worse and worse. We and had then... Peter Shilton at Plymouth that year. Okay. And obviously he probably played for 25 years without having to kick the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His kicking was 
an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> it was atrocious. It was You've never seen a man panic more than when Peter Shilton at the introduction of the back pass. It blows my mind that goalkeepers wouldn't be good at football. Yeah. Like if you're around footballs all day yeah. long, surely you'll you pick it up. They all thought they were good at football. And five aside, <laughs> you would see them kind of wander out thinking they could play, but no. Get back in the goal. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but now, to be fair, they are. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're really good. The good ones are so comfortable with the ball that yeah, they're very good. I think our home form was still top four or something like that, but yeah. we never won away. Because Cantona left kind of out yeah. of nowhere as well. Yeah. Great <laughs> idea. Selling him to Manchester United. I know. Why don't we just give them a player that can make their team great for the next 10 years? So what? how did you find out that happened? Um, well, I think it was shocking just in the, in the, the news as it was. I, you could all... For, for me, you could tell that clearly Eric wasn't a well a Howard Wilkinson type of player. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. I think for the players or me personally, uh, I knew what he couldn't do. Uh, yeah. However, he was so far outweighed by what he could do that we were happy to you know fill in the gaps if you like. Yeah. Uh, but I think the way we won our title, that wasn't the way we did it. You know, everyone did exactly what they were required of them, and uh, eleven together, you know, we were we were stronger. But I just think with uh, with Eric, it, it kind of wasn't like that. A couple of times he ended up playing right midfield. Right. So Le Salk came in quite quickly. In the, he was not running up and down on the right-hand side. No tracking uh, back. No tracking back. No, no, no. We'll let that one go. Then the fullback keeps flying forward and he'd get the hook and off he'd come at half-time, Eric. So, uh, yeah, so you could see there was a few issues. Yeah. But uh, still, it was, a, it was a surprise for sure. I think when you've got a, a player like Eric, you've got to make him the fulcrum. You've got to make him special. You've got to love him, put your arm you know, around his shoulder and what have you, and he found a home, didn't he? I think at, uh, at Manchester yeah, United for yeah. exactly that. And the other big event of that season was you played Rangers in the oh, European Cup, yeah. the Battle of Britain. Oh, yeah. Battle of Britain. <laughs> How did that... I mean, that's, that, that must have been a disappointing defeat, was it? It, uh, it was... Did you think that you could do well in the European? Because was that the first season back or second season back in the European? Just about. I can't remember. We Mm. played Stuttgart was the the first, a lot of the German champions. And we we lost 3-0 over there. And then we beat them 4-1 at home. But they put on uh, an extra foreign player, uh, 10 minutes to go, which we thought, that's illegal. They're going to kick them out. Yeah. But they didn't. They made us replay the game at the new Camp. Oh, really? Yeah. It was just the... What, like a neutral... Yeah, neutral venue. Well, interestingly, I think the mechanics of that and I might not be 100% right, but mm. they gave Leeds a 3-0 victory by default because that's what they give a team. If, are, ah, so had you beaten right. them, had you lost 2-0, they would have still gone through. Or right. if you'd have scored a goal in the other mm. one, you would have gone through. It's because both legs were 3-0 oh, right. that that new Camp game was a sort right. of a neutral Was it nice to game? get to play at the new Camp? Was that part of you? Like, that was my the second time I actually played there. Uh, but yeah, but no, it was fantastic. But there, were, there how wasn't many much crowd. There? Yeah, not many. Well, next to none. It was bizarre. <laughs> why, why the new Camp? And the, why? And, the, and, well, the, and the funniest thing is we, we ended up winning 2-1, which was fantastic. And, yeah. and uh, a player called Carl Shutt oh, yeah. had his best moment of his whole life in the new Camp when he scored and ran away and peeled off to absolutely no one. <laughs> He now runs a travel agency in Leeds, Carl Schutt. Does he really? Because I was reading that book oh, and I was going to all the Leeds Okay, players. It was yeah. absolutely bizarre. It was a, a weird thing. But we got through. Yeah. So that was the main thing. And then, yeah, the Battle of Britain was great. I ended up, uh, me and Speedo, I had to wear a kilt. You know, all the photo shoots you do and all that. That was great, wasn't it? And then when we got there and we played, the, there was a, uh, a fan ban, wasn't there? So no Leeds fans were at Ibrox. That's right. So all we heard was their fans. And I, I have to say... It's probably the loudest ground 
uh, before the game I have mm. ever, mm. ever heard. It was all their fans silling, singing, you know, we are the Billy Boys. Hello. I started joining in, for God's sake. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I'm trying to speak to Chris Fairclough, who's next to me, and he couldn't hear a damn word that I was saying. Wow. It was just... It was, it was fantastic. And of course... Was it, it's something like that intimidating. Does that put you off your No, head? I love it. The, the atmosphere like that, the more the better. I thought it was tremendous. Yeah. So it's when... I never used to like playing in front of a few hundred because what does that matter? But if you've got 50,000 there, yeah. it matters. And we and we took the lead. Fantastic goal from Gary McAllister. What was McAllister. the sound like then when you've got no fans in that ground you score? It was like a death. No, honestly, you could hear a pin drop. And what I do remember is all of us squealing because I could hear it. We squealed. We squealed. That never normally happens because everyone's cheering. I sound like a bunch of girls. How long have we been doing this? <laughs> exactly. But what a goal it was. Gary McAllister scored. It was like deathly quiet. Uh, and then it kind of all unraveled after that, unfortunately. Yeah. We, we struggled then. And a brilliant start for Lee's Gary McAllister. Silencing the Ibrox crowd in the most effective way. Should we talk about your international career? Go on then. To begin, you're obviously Australian. So how? Ah. how, how, how <laughs> you lot have done your research. <laughs> so you you don't have? I mean, you don't have any English parents, right? No. So how how did this happen? Okay, you poms were struggling badly. <laughs> clearly, that was the problem. Yeah. Uh, okay, my my father um, was born in Italy. Yeah. And went out to Australia because he was Italian. Uh, I could therefore get an Italian passport. Okay, Italy were in the EEC at the time, so I could travel on my EEC passport, I could come to the UK and then get a work permit. And then um, I got into the Aston Villa first team, Yeah. and Australia uh, asked me if I would like to play for them in some World Cup qualifiers. And I was 18, and I was so, I was so proud to think, yeah. okay, you know, here we go. And uh, when I got talking to them, they said, well, you have to miss four weeks of the season and uh, we're playing uh, American Samoa. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know there was an American Samoa. <laughs> Fiji, Tonga and something. And oh my God, this is crazy. I go in to see the manager and uh, as I'm talking, you know, you think I really shouldn't even be in here because we're going to Manchester United. We're going to play at Highbury. I've just got into the Villa first team. Yeah. And he looked at me and you want to go play American Samoa? Is that what you're saying, Tony? I thought, no, I'm not really. No, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Bates all over again. Yeah, yeah. See ya, I'm out of there. And then England uh, said to me, by the way, if you wait another year and a half, uh, we'd like you to become a British citizen. Because it's five years residence, uh, so you can become a British citizen. You can pick then. Yeah. And uh, please, England you know, would like uh, you to play for them. So I, of course, I said, yeah, fantastic. And I waited, became uh, a British citizen, and played for the under-21s, England under-21s. Uh, Was played. there any idea that you could play for Italy? Um... Paolo no. Maldini, admittedly. He wasn't bad, to be fair. I thought, mm, <laughs> Kenny Sampson, Maldini. <laughs> to be fair, Kenny was darn good as well. Yeah. And Stuart Pearce, yeah, let's yeah. not go on to him. But yeah, um, so no, not really. I think the language, I, I, I couldn't speak Italian at that yeah. point. I can speak a little bit now. but So yeah. you you went to Euro 88. You're the, la the, yes. the last England player who has gone to a tournament without a cap. Ah, am I really? Yeah. Wow. Was it a surprise that you were going? or um, To a point it was, but I should have actually got a cap the previous year. Uh, we played Denmark away, and Bobby Robson said to Don Howe at the time, don't forget to put Tony on near the end just to get him his first cap. 
Yeah. And of course, 10 minutes to go, I wasn't on. So I'm running up and down in front of Don Howe. Bobby Robinson was in the stand and uh, Don didn't put me on. So I was <laughs> devastated. And, and the first thing that Bobby Robinson said as he came into the dressing room was, why didn't you put Dorigo on? I thought, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so he just, <laughs> so he just forgot to pull me on. So I didn't get my cap. Uh, so that was disappointing. So why was Bobby Robinson not... For some reason, he was in the stand in right. order to watch from a you know a different yeah. angle. But the strange thing about the '88 tournament was that um, I actually got told I was in the squad the day we got relegated. Oh, really? Yeah, in the dressing room after that playoff game with Chelsea, Middlesbrough. Yeah, you know, really. So everyone's like devastated. Now, by the way, Tony, you're going to Euro '88. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So '88 was my first in Germany tournament in Germany. And what was that like? Ah, oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Because I was, if you think I was playing with uh, the likes of. Glenn Hoddle, yeah. Uh, I think Mark Hately played then as well. Peter Reed was in that squad. Uh, you know some some who, great. Who did you great room players. with? I room with Tony Adams. Oh really? Rodders, yes. And Rodders, I, I, I room with Rodders. And what was he like? Uh, what a player! You know, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you know, fantastic player and leader. But we, um, I, I do remember. Because he uh, got was that the tournament where he got kind of destroyed by Van Basten well he wasn't the only one to be yeah, fair yeah. I mean yeah I mean the Hullet Van Basten Rijkaard it was that tournament and no one will forget the Van Basten goal the volley yeah we, we lost the first two games uh, and then we um, which meant we were out we had yeah. Russia the last game so I'm thinking right I'm going to get a game here you know this is it but on the night after losing the second game let's just say a few of us went down to the bar and uh, drowned our sorrows a little bit yeah. and uh, of course the ones that played didn't have to train the next day but the ones that didn't did so we went uh, down uh, to train the following morning and uh, we got set a task to warm up okay yeah. so you had to go in pairs and you had to keep the ball up okay yeah. then you run 20 yards then your partner would volley it to you and you caught it in the air you keep it up while he runs around you 20 yards and back to his spot okay yeah sounds simple yeah <laughs> none of us could do it <laughs> <laughs> the balls were going everywhere and uh, yeah, the manager thought, right, forget this, stop training, and sent us all in. Oh, really? So yeah, it's very difficult. You know, you've you've prepared for a tournament so thoroughly, and then you, you're out. You know, after two games, you're yeah. out. You're playing one game, which doesn't you know mean too much. What's it like? Because you're going to a tournament, thinking I'm probably not going to play. Yeah, and that's that's difficult. But you always, um, I got very good at this. I I always had to prepare <laughs> as if I was going to play. <laughs> I fooled my mind in the thinking. Yeah, uh, I must have been in. I'm not exactly sure, but I don't know. 50, 60 squads or something like that and I, I got 15 caps Yeah. so the, that ratio isn't great however <laughs> I was ready for all those 60 games <laughs> most of uh, your international careers just you sat next to Chris Woods on a bench it's <laughs> funny you look at a lot of the pictures I'm there again there was another one with Bobby Robson and there I am uh, next to Dave Besant actually again with a blanket around me in Poland so <laughs> I know all about the benches all around the world okay? <laughs> the good and the bad ones yeah uh, so, you were on the bench for one of the most famous games in England history the Italian 90 yes. West Germany that, that evening yes what a famous night oh it was incredible football. at the Della Alpi yeah absolutely incredible and so uh, Italian 90 is probably the most iconic tournament in English football yeah. history what was that like as an experience when did it realise it was something amazing or uh, well, did it not when you're out there well we're, we're kind of tucked away from everyone and that's for a reason you know to, to concentrate on what we're doing um, so you don't really get uh, to hear a lot of the, the press and the, see the papers and everything else because yeah. you're, you're there to do a job you know, and you're away a long time um, but you knew it was pretty special because Italy and football just the way the whole country stopped you know, when mm. we were out there so it was, it was incredible but uh, I suppose we stumbled on a formation 
yeah. that worked. Is it true the players went to Bobby Robson to say we want to play with a sweep? I think he took, uh, I suppose, not advice, but he, he would have listened to one or two of the more senior players. Yeah. You know, he'll always. I wasn't make thinking it, it was you. <laughs> it certainly wasn't me. I was stuck on the bench somewhere still. <laughs> and it, it then just came about. And we didn't play great to start with, but we, we got better mm. and then got better and got better. And yeah, suddenly the journey just kept going and it was. It was amazing, you know, it really was. What was life in the hotel like? Yeah. Is it from the, the footage we've seen? Yeah. It seems like every, there was a great team spirit, and there was fun was being had in that hotel. Well, you had to. We had Gaza, so of course you had to. I mean, <laughs> how central was he to the whole experience? Yeah, he was pretty central. In that, uh, you just couldn't keep him down. I remember we we played a game of golf. Now we got sponsored by Wilson. They very kindly gave us golf bags and clubs and everything else. And the one day we all had to go and play, and of course I got drawn in Gaza's group so a four ball and yeah. uh, so there's four of us and of course Gaza was there I thought right let's get the balls up we throw them up in the air and see which two land near each other 2v2 we'll have yeah. a game by the time I'm looking around for Gaza and the ball he's already on the tee and he's smacked it he's in his buggy and he's off <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking what the hell's going on here he, f- he finished five holes in front of us I never saw him again <laughs> And he was supposed to be playing with us. <laughs> Just so that's what he was like all the time. He would always be up to something. And to be fair, a tournament is a long time, so you do get bored. You know, you've got to. What are you up to in your day to day life? That's the thing. I mean, we we do a lot of uh, obviously watching the opposition. When a tournament happens as well, it's great because you watch the other games, yeah. which is fine. Mm. Do a lot of training, obviously preparing, but you have to rest. You have to get out the sun. Obviously, it's it's summer, so yeah. uh, you're going to make sure you recover, mm. eat well, and all that sort of thing. So you, you try and do anything you can. Uh, there was a pool there, but again, you know, sunbathing wasn't the thing to do. We didn't yeah. uh, do that too often. We just make sure we uh, you know, prepared correctly. So it got boring. So um, yeah, watching Gaza making a fool of himself was always good. It was always good. <laughs> it was the famous. We saw a clip of a violinist. I can't remember his name. Nigel Kennedy. Nigel, Nigel Kennedy, Kennedy came in, and there's he footage did. of you all yeah. getting a little concert. Was and Peter Beardsley like, looks really bored. So, like, Peter Beardsley always looked bored. That's just the way that he was. That's just the way that he was. Yeah. Did I, do you remember Nigel? I Kennedy? do. Nigel Kennedy's a Villa supporter, oh, yeah, huge Villa supporter. So he came and that's right. Um, who else come? Ku Stark, Prince Andrew's girlfriend at the time, oh, really? photographer thing. Okay. Mick Hucknall. There you go. You must remember. Oh, that. Yeah. He so, came as well. well oh. What did he do? Did he sing a song? No, he jumped in the pool with the most weird Y fronts on. They were disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> They so were they white and big. What is, what is wrong? They just turn up and come and say hello. <laughs> Why not? Oh, Mick Hucknall. Why? We're distracting. Yeah. Well, no, it broke the boredom. Just you know, yeah. anything because we were the hotel so, was all ours as well, so no one else was there. It was just us. Were you in Sardinia? In Sardinia, yeah. Uh, I do remember playing actually um, uh, a practice game against a Sardinian eleven select. Mm. Okay, and whoever. <laughs> Whoever's au fait with Italy realises that actually the, the lower south you go, the height of the guys get smaller. Okay? <laughs> the little guys are from down, down yeah, south. And the big guys 14 are, goals? Well, <laughs> almost against us because the Sardinian select 11 were quite small. Hmm. Okay? And uh, one really small guy in particular, uh, absolutely tiny he was, but my God, he was taking the pee out of us. The, we're the England team and these little Sardinian select lot. And this guy's trying to score from free kicks, corner kicks. Yeah. And he almost did. We're thinking, who the heck is this guy? It was Zola. 
Jim oh, Franco really? Zola, oh, wow. yeah. And all we knew was it was Maradona's understudy. That was his name. No, it can't be his name. He must have a proper name. <laughs> yeah. It must be. Who is he? But he was just yeah. a little, little yeah. kid and he was amazing. Like, incredible. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.